0: Let's uh, kneel together and uh, let's seek the Lord in prayer. Our father chart in heaven holy is thy name. Father we come before you and we thank you we praise you. We've heard the praises here this morning there are so many. So many reasons to be thankful uh, to the um, Lord. We speak from our hearts. We thank you for the undying love that you have for us and that you gave up all heaven so that we may be saved. That's an incredible thought to us. And we're so appreciative. And Father, we thank you for the Sabbath day, for our opportunity to, to meet with you and get a taste of heaven each, each week. We long for the time when Jesus will return and we can all be together for eternity. This world is a bitter place. And Lord, we need your grace each and every moment to overcome. There are so many needs and so many needy, Lord. We need your grace and strength to be your tool in in helping all those around us. Lord, we praise you for you truly are good. We praise you that that uh, we can meet here together and that we're meeting here together each week. Uh, I praise you for that. And the opportunities now that we have a presence here uh, that we can work this mission field and further the kingdom. I praise your name. Uh, Father, I lift up before you those prayer requests this morning. Uh, Susan's brother, he's He's got an aortic aneurysm now, they've discovered, and he's a soul that Jesus died for. Pray that you'll be very near to him and and work through Susan and and, uh, help him somehow. Lord, you work miracles to come to know you truly because we wish him to be on that sea of glass with us along with uh, Susan's mother as well. And we pray for our country. We know what prophecy says, but Lord... Hold the winds until all that can be saved are saved. Uh, We think of also Jeanette whose daughter has been away from you for many years. We pray that you'll continue to influence her through her children and and through Jeanette. And uh, that she she may come back into the fold. And be with Jeanette as she works her mission field in her neighborhood passing out these great books the great controversy and steps to Christ and be with each and every person every piece of literature that we hand out Lord we know an angel goes with them work upon their hearts that they may be saved um, Tony's mother's back in the hospital uh, Lord you know that situation we humbly ask that you'll be very near to her and the family and uh, heal her uh, enough at least Lord that she can go through with a transplant um, encourage her Lord to seek thee um, Ted we've learned his sleep apnea we pray that you be with him and, and uh, may you walk with him and, and that's something that he can overcome and be with him in, in his externship interview as well um, Jerry's neighbor's boy Thomas has a hole in his heart and Lord we know that not only can you heal physical holes in hearts but spiritual as well we pray for that. Um, Josiah is in the hospital with pneumonia. And his mother, is, who needs the employment, has to be with him. So, Lord, please touch him. In the name of Jesus, heal him. And uh, we also pray for Steve's boss, who's been diagnosed with cancer. Um, Lord, we, we know that you have everyone's best interest at heart. And uh, you can work through this man to reach others. And we pray for our young people and those who are missing. We especially lift up Dylan, as, as we haven't seen him in a while. And we pray that you will protect him and, and let his eyes be opened to the truth and not be deceived by the devil. And Lord, as we look to Jesus here today, as we talk of Jesus, um, may we come to understand your love more fully and wholeheartedly give ourselves to him. We pray for the forgiveness of our sins. And Lord, be with me as I speak now. May they be your words and not my own. May hearts be ready to hear the truth. And may we share it, always share it with others, as prompted by your Spirit. Lord, we thank you for hearing our prayers and answering them. As we pray in the name of Jesus, amen. That's one thing that uh, was mentioned about the disciples when they uh, were spoken of and that's how often they were found in prayer. They truly did learn from their master, didn't they? Jesus was very often in prayer. And as Tim uh, has encouraged us, we need to be drawn closer to each other And uh, in communion with the Lord. Uh, Not just partaking of the ordinances, but communion with the Lord every moment. We live in a dangerous world. And I'm not just talking about physically dangerous. If I could get the youth to understand and people to understand, this conflict is real, it's not a fable. There will be an end. Doesn't take a rocket scientist to see things are changing rapidly. Decisions have to be made. Not making a decision is making a decision. Mark Twain wrote a fictional story about two young boys uh, who are identical in appearance. One's name was Tom Canty. He was a pauper. He lived with an abusive father. The other was Edward VI. He was the son of Henry VIII, the King of England. And he tells how one day Tom Canty and Prince Edward they meet, and they're in awe how closely they resemble each other, virtually twins. And as a jest they switch clothes they experience a role reversal. And because the boys look remarkably alike and because they had switched clothes, the palace guards throw the true prince out into the streets of London. Meanwhile, despite Tom's repeated denial of his, his true birthright, the court and the king insist that he is the true prince and that he's gone mad. And after the death of Henry VIII, Edward interrupts Tom's coronation and the boys explain what they had done. They switch places again and Edward is crowned the king of England. Role reversal. It's true that millions of God's people have been persecuted and killed both in ancient and modern times. But the time is coming when the position of the oppressors and the persecuted will have a role reversal those who have been persecuted will receive their eternal inheritance and those who have been the oppressors will receive their doom each one of us will either be on one side or the other I say again this is real This is very real. How do you know which role will be yours? The book of Revelation clearly predicts that as we approach the end of time, as we know it, the entire world will be deceived. But God's children will not be deceived. This is spoken of over and over again in the latter chapters of the book. Not only will the whole world be deceived, but also the book of Revelation tells us that evil spirits will deceive them. It's not just a happenstance. (laughs) The devil is the chief evil spirit, isn't he? And he is the one who deceives the whole world in the last days by means of miracles. Please take your Bibles... Turn to Revelation chapter 13. Satan has got to get the whole world so engrossed and behind him, he will use anything to do that. And he'll use miracles. Can we trust miracles? God's Word says no. You don't really know the source necessarily. Revelation 13. Isn't Revelation chapter 13 a familiar chapter to us? This is present truth, is it not? Verse 13. And he doeth great what? Wonders, so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men, and deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those what? Miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast. An image to the beast, which had the wound by his sword and did live. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast that the image of the beast should both speak and what? Cause that as many as would not worship. That's the whole issue, isn't it? who would not worship the image of the beast, should be killed. What does that tell you? It's a life and death decision, isn't it? Verse 16, And he causeth all, how many does that include? <laughs> Both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell. You know, Sister Susan brought up a prayer for our country because of what Congress has been doing. All they're doing is fulfilling prophecy. How do you enforce a mark to keep people, 250, 60 million people, from buying or selling? That's incredible control. And it goes worldwide, beloved. You know, we just passed, what, 7 billion people on this planet? Yes, let's pray for our leaders. Let's praise God that He's holding back the winds to give us more time. And then no man might buy or sell save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Turn forward to Revelation chapter 16. And in particular, verse 13. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon. Who's the dragon? Out of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are the spirits of what? Devils working what? Miracles. You see that? Working miracles which go forth unto the kings of the earth. Who are the kings of the earth? Aren't they the leaders of the earth? And of the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. People are also going to be induced here, this is telling us, to build an image to the beast. Isn't that what it said? An image to the beast. They will be commanded to worship this image. What happens if you refuse to worship this image? Who said that? You'll be killed. Now, the devil tries many different ways before it gets to that, doesn't he? Tries to uh, bribe, tries to coerce, and then ultimately it's just off with your head. Literally. If you do not worship the beast or receive his mark, you will not be able to do what? Buy or sell. Buy or sell. We have a lot to learn, don't we? To be self sustaining why God tells us, gives us counsel, that we need to live out in a place where we can grow our own sustenance. And not just that. You know how easy it is for them to lock down a city? They can do it pretty quick, can't they, Steve? Look at New you know? I often wondered. I, I worked for a developer. He was the largest land developer at one time in the state of Indiana and he developed um, these housing divisions and I thought you know it's just greed get them in there as close together but you know the devil's not stupid you can lock down a subdivision just as quick as you can a city God says to get out from the very beginning he had Adam and Eve in a garden of their own populate the world go out and get your own garden <laughs> right? God didn't say, I want you to build cities. Who, who wanted to build cities? Man wanted to build cities. If you don't worship the beast, you will be killed. And that's very serious, isn't it? I mean, I, I can't speak for you, but I actually value my life. I like living. When the powers of this world declare that you must worship God by worshiping the image of the beast, you must remember something. What is one of the characteristics of God's people? They are what? Commandment keepers. Isn't that true? And what does the commandment say about worshiping an idol, an image? Thou shalt not Exodus 20, verse 4 to 6 says, Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow thyself down to it or not to serve them. God says He's a jealous God. Do you believe that? Mm -hmm. I think that's jealous in the righteous way. but he will according to the command visit iniquity of the fathers upon the children of the third and fourth generation of those who hate me but you know God mixes that with mercy doesn't he he says I show mercy unto a thousand of them that love me and keep my commandments so when the powers I have a question when the powers of this earth say you must worship this image or be killed what is God going to do Does God say, well, that's the end, I'm done? (laughs) The answer is actually given in Revelation 14. Again, very familiar chapter to us, isn't it? Verses 9 through 12 and the third angel followed them saying with a loud voice if any man worship the beast in his image and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand the same shall do what? drink of the wine of the wrath of God which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation and he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the lamb who's the lamb? isn't that Jesus? And the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever and they have no rest day nor night who worship the beast in his image and whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. But there's a distinction. Here is the patience of the saints. There's that patience that we pray for, Tim. A steadfast endurance, friends, that doesn't come naturally. Here are they that do what? What? keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Why is that there? What do you think that that was placed right there at the end of telling us all about the mark of the beast and what's going to happen to them? It's an encouragement. It's, it tells us that God's people will not bow down. Huh? There's a remnant. There's a remnant. Absolutely. I want you to notice that God says if you worship the beast in His image and receive His mark, you're going to receive His wrath. And it says without mixture. That means it is undiluted. That means no mercy. Now, that wasn't just arbitrary. That's not because God is a tyrant or dictator. That's because you cut off the communication to Him. You no longer want Him. And after time... God grants your wish. I want you to know that this has never happened before. It's never happened before. All the judgments of God in this world up to this present time have been mingled with mercy and pleadings. We're living in the day of mercy. Do you believe that? The day of grace, that's what's called in the Bible, the day of salvation, it says. In Isaiah 49 and verse 8, it says, Thus say the Lord, in an acceptable time have I heard thee, and in a day of salvation have I helped thee, and I will preserve thee, and give thee for a covenant of the people to establish the earth, to cause to inherit the desolate heritages. He's saying, It is a day of salvation for God's people. As Tim said, a remnant. It is the acceptable time, a day of salvation for the person who has been sinning. When a person is sinning, he's been following the devil. Isn't that true? Would you agree with that? Because he who sins, the Bible says, is of the devil. John says in 1 John 3.8, that's what he says. He that committeth sin is of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Praise God. Do you want sin and suffering to cease? Amen. Do you want a new life? you want something to look forward to? You know, sometimes we say, we say we want it to end. We want a new life with our lips. During this time, a person who's been living in sin, who's been following the devil, can decide to repent during this time. They can decide to turn around to be converted. They can decide to follow Jesus as their Lord and Savior during this time. If we follow Jesus, what's that mean? Does that mean we walk as He walks? Jesus lived a holy life, didn't He? So what are we to live? If we're following Him, we're to live a holy life, aren't we? We're to learn to live the way He lived, friends, in this time. We're living in the day of grace, but that day of grace is not going to last forever. And don't listen to other ministers who say there's a second chance. This is our second chance. And when this ends, it ends. It's done. We're living in a day of grace. This is from a Review and Herald article entitled, A Time of Trouble. (laughs) September 17th, 1901. Oh, by the way, in your bulletins today, All the references I'm using are included. I see Susan there writing down the notes and stuff, you know, and I thought, oh let me save her a little bit of hand cramping here. There should be a Rollin had included an insert of all the scriptures and references that I have. But this is from an article, A Time of Trouble, September seventeenth, nineteen hundred and one. God bears long with the rebellion and apostasy of his subjects. Even when his mercy is despised and his love scorned and derided, he bears with men until the last resource for leading them to repentance is exhausted. Does that sound like God gives up? But there are limits to his forbearance. From those who to the end continue in obstinate rebellion, he removes his protecting care. Providence will no longer shield them from Satan's power. They will have sinned away their day of grace. I don't know, friends, but that just gives me a chill when I read it. Because I don't want to sin away my day of grace. when the world rejects the third angel's message as stated we just read it didn't we Revelation 14 the day of grace will come to an end and God's wrath will be poured out and make no mistake guys a description of this is found in Revelation 22 verses 11 and 12 Jesus stands up. Jesus is pleading for us right now. Do you believe that? He's helping us to cleanse our body temples and to cleanse the temple in heaven from our sins. He came to save us from our sins, did He not? But there will come a time when He stands up and He says, He that is unjust, let him be unjust still and he which is filthy let him be filthy still and he that is righteous let him be righteous still and he that is holy let him be holy still it's done you're sealed in your, your way you've made your choice that's it and he says and behold I come quickly and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be either righteous works right unrighteous works there's a judgment isn't there I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. The time is coming sooner rather than later. Don't get me wrong. I praise God for that. (laughs) The time is coming when you won't be able to turn around on your pathway. You won't be able to forsake your life of Of sin and follow the Lord Jesus. Whatever condition you're in, you're going to stay that way. You know, you might be lost today, but we're not yet living in the time when probation is closed. So you still have an opportunity to turn around. Praise God. still have an opportunity. You can still choose right now to turn and follow Jesus. But when probation is closed, friends, it'll be too late for you to turn around. It'll be too late to change your mind. You'll either be saved, God forbid you'll be lost. And when that happens, when probation closes and the Lord speaks those words that we just read there, then we'll begin what the Bible calls the day of His wrath. Did you raise your hand? Yes. Adverse, for those that know the truth, when they decide what day the week that's when their <laughs> We still live in a day of grace. Remember that the third angel's message tells us that those who do not listen and obey. They're going to receive God's wrath without mercy. Isn't that what it said? What is God's wrath? Huh? something I don't ever want to see. Yes, amen, amen. I don't want to see it either. Revelation 15 verse 1 tells us, and I saw another sign in heaven great and marvelous seven angels having the seven last what plagues Plagues. for in them is filled up the what Wrath. wrath of God if you reject the third angel's message you will receive the wrath of God and it is contained in the seven last plagues this is why the warning is to come out of Babylon come out if you do not come out you will partake of the plagues The plagues are meant for Babylon. Jesus said, hell was made for the devil and his angels. It wasn't initially made for man. But we were created free moral agents. And as hard, I mean, you know, as hard as it is is for us to see those who we love spurn God Imagine how God feels about it. He gave all heaven in Jesus Christ to save us. And when they spurn His Son, that gift, how do you think He feels about it? If you reject God's last message of mercy, you will and sealed for doom and partake of the plagues that we just read here from Christian Experience and Teachings, page 187. Already a few drops of God's wrath have fallen upon the earth, but when the seven last plagues shall be poured out without mixture into the cup of His indignation, then it will be forever too late to repent and find shelter. No atoning blood will then wash away the stains of sin. The Jews aren't going to get a second chance to make things right while the Christians are all raptured away. God's not going to hang around until all humanity decides. I'll tell you this, the Bible says every knee will bow willingly before it's all said and done. Revelation 16 verse 2 says, And the first went and poured out his vial upon the earth, and there fell a noisome and grievous sore upon the men which had the mark of the beast and upon them which worshipped his image. Wow. You know, you read the book of Job and I just shudder. Hmm. Kind of a gives us kind of an idea of this, doesn't it? You read about what Job went through there with his sores. I can't imagine it, friends. Those who reject the three angels' messages do not just receive the first plague, they receive the second, the third, the fourth, the fifth, the sixth. And when the seventh plague is poured out, life in this world as we know it comes to an end. You know, we go through life and and things happen and, and things change, don't they? Things that we may never thought would change change. And it's just a part of our experience. And God can use those to to prepare us in certain ways, can't He? We all have lost loved ones and the, the change is just dramatic. It's a change, you know. Things are changing. You get to a point. I mean, every one of us have done it. We've said, "I remember when such and such and such and such." You know, when I was young, we used to go on Sunday drives. You know, and I would hear my dad say, "Yeah, I remember when that was just a." a You know, a cornfield. There's a housing addition there now. Or there's streets and buildings. And I always thought, why do I care? I'm going to look (laughs) at it. I do the same thing now. We'll go out and we'll go to town or something and the kids are with me. And I'll say, man, it was never like this when I was a kid. It just all has changed. When that seventh plague is poured out, life in this world as we know it will come to an end. That's a dramatic change, isn't it? Which role will we be playing there? Are we going to be partaking of the plagues? Or are we going to be among those few who say, I would rather die than sin? Now is the day to prepare for that. Who do you want to trust? You want to trust Jesus, you want to trust the devil. You want to trust Jesus, you want to trust yourself. Because if you know what's coming, you think you're going to make it through yourself? Notice what it says in Revelation 16, verse 17. It says, And the seventh angel poured out his vial." Into the air, and there came a great voice out of the temple of heaven from the throne, saying, It is done. And there were voices and thunders and lightnings, and there was a great earthquake, such as was not since men were upon the earth. So mighty an earthquake and so great. And the great city was divided into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell, and great Babylon came in remembrance before God. The great city. And when we read something else in Revelation 16 about three, wasn't there a frog, tongues, right? What were the three? The beast, dragon, the dragon, and the false prophet. And we read right here that great city is divided into three parts. There you go, friends. And the cities of the nations fell. And great Babylon came in remembrance before God to give unto her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. Like I said, God's wrath is intended for Babylon. And every island fled away, and the mountains were not found. There's a big change. And there fell upon men a great hail out of heaven, every stone about the weight of a talent. The weight of a talent. I've read anywhere between 60 and 80 pounds. That can do some damage. Imagine sacks of cement coming out of the sky. Wow. And through all of this it says men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hail. For the plague thereof was exceeding great. Through all the things that God has shown, that they could have been in part of the remnant, they still blaspheme God, curse God. And then the second coming of Jesus occurs. The day and the hour for the coming of Jesus is announced from heaven. That's what's talking about. From the throne, it says, "Voice out of the temple of heaven from the throne." Notice the description from the book The Great Controversy, page 640. The voice of God is heard from heaven declaring the day and hour of Jesus' coming and delivering the everlasting covenant to His people. Like peals of loudest thunder His words roll through the earth. The Israel of God stand listening with their eyes fixed upward. Their countenances are lighted up with His glory and shine as did the face of Moses when He came down from Sinai. The wicked cannot look upon them. And when the blessing is pronounced on those who have honored God by keeping His Sabbath holy, there is a mighty shout of victory. When Jesus comes, what's the Bible tells us? When Jesus comes, everybody's going to see Him, right? Every eye will see Him. Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him. So what it says in Revelation 1.7. Every eye. I don't know how that's going to happen, friends. I just believe it. Has God ever worked a miracle in your life? Now, I know you can't trust miracles, but when you know that the miracle came from God, doesn't that endear you to Him even more? I trust God. When you get to a point and you understand, you've had an experience that God has your best interest at heart, you're closer to giving everything to Him. You're closer to that point where you, you would rather die than sin against Him and nail Jesus on that cross again. Now is the time to be learning about Him. Remember that Jesus had said to His disciples before He left, it's found in John 14, He said, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. Jesus wasn't a liar, was He? I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, what's going to happen? I'm going to come again and receive you to Myself, and where I am there you may be... Maybe also. Do you want to be with Jesus? Amen. Do you realize that He's preparing a place for you individually? He knows you better than you know yourself. And He's not just making a shack, He's making something that is going to be fantastic just for you. He loves you that much. And what's He asking in return? You know, He doesn't say overcome on your own. He says, I will be with you always. Do you believe it? The Apostle Paul described this wonderful event in 1 Thessalonians 4.16. I've used it at funerals before. Sad days, but it's encouraging to know the truth. For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel with the trump of god and the dead in christ shall rise first and then we which are alive and remain that remnant shall we caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the lord in the air and shall so shall we ever be with the lord those are positive changes in revelation 7 So God's children, the Bible says, they shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more, neither shall the sun light on them, nor any heat, for the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them, and shall lead them unto living fountains of waters, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Friends, we're going to have tears. That's part of life here, isn't it? In this world, in all ages, the chosen of Jesus Christ have been educated and disciplined in the school of trial. God's children, walk, we walk in narrow paths, don't we? Jesus said it is a narrow way that leads to the kingdom of heaven. We alluded to that Matthew 7. God's children in this world are purified in the furnace of affliction. And for Jesus' sake God's children have endured opposition and hatred but not from Jesus. Let's remember that. Who is it that hates God's children? It's not God. That doesn't make it any easier to take does it? The children of our Lord have followed Jesus through conflicts and trials and through self-denial, experienced bitter disappointments. However, by their own painful experience, they've learned the evil of sin and its power. Its guilt. Its woe. We're going to get to a point, friends, and I pray, God, we get to it. That we abhor sin. Huh? Amen. sense of the infinite sacrifice that the God of heaven made to cure sin I believe is going to keep us humble forever. And it's going to fill our hearts with gratitude and praise for the one who offered his life on Calvary's cross to save us from sin and death. You see, if we are partakers of Christ's sufferings here, we're going to partake of His glory in the future. The heirs of God, when Jesus comes in the clouds of heaven, will come from dungeons and caves and mountains and deserts from the caverns of the sea. In this world, as Paul says in Hebrews 11, they were destitute, afflicted, tormented because... They followed Jesus. It was God who said to the serpent, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. But that's going to come to an end someday. Millions of people have gone down to the grave loaded with infamy because they steadfastly refused to listen to the deceptive claims of Satan. Those claims that have taken the world captive. Jesus was judged with the criminals, wasn't he? It's not going to be any different with his people. But the Bible says God himself is judge. And, friends, that's something to be thankful for. You know, we need to understand the judgment. The judgment isn't God going through seeing who will not be in, you know, going to heaven. He's trying to get us to heaven. That's what the judgment is. Satan likes to spin it, put the negative on it, get us thinking in negative terms. God gave up all heaven so we could be saved. My goodness, friends. What does that tell you? What kind of God is that? Is He trying to keep you out? But at that time, the decisions of this earth are going to be reversed. That's what I'm talking about. The roles are going to be reversed. And praise the Lord for that. The Bible tells us that the rebuke of His people, He he will take away. Isaiah 25 verse 8, our scripture reading for today. He will swallow up death in victory. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from off all faces, and the rebuke of his people shall he take away from off all the earth. For the Lord has spoken it. The Bible tells me when God speaks, it does not come back to him void. When he speaks, it's for a reason. You know, when the Bible says the Lord has spoken it, you can take that to the bank. Isaiah 62.12 says, And they shall call them the holy people, the redeemed of the Lord, and thou shalt be called, sought out, a city not forsaken. Praise God. Isaiah 61.3, To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that He might be glorified. No longer will God's children be feeble, afflicted, scattered, oppressed, and tormented. You know we can hasten that day. From now on the Bible says, they will always be with the lord from that day on they'll stand before the throne of god clad in richer garments than anyone this world has ever worn they will have crowns that are more glorious than any monarch in this world wears not because we see it that way but because god does The days of pain and weeping will be forever ended. The King of glory will have wiped away every tear from every face. We read it. Every cause of grief will be removed. They will have palm branches and pour forth a song of praise. In fact, the song of praise they will sing is recorded in the Bible. Revelation 7, verse 10 says, And And it cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever. Friends, we have the Sabbath to get a taste of this. Are you going to be in that number singing that song? Do you want to be in that number? In this world we can only begin to understand I think the theme of redemption. With our finite comprehension we may consider most earnestly the shame, the glory, the life, the death, the justice, the mercy that meet there at the cross at Calvary. With the stretching of our mental powers the best that we can do I don't think we can grasp the full significance of the plan of salvation through Jesus I mean people in this world dimly comprehend the length and breadth and depth and height of God's love the apostles in all their epistles Paul tries to describe it words cannot the plan of salvation is not completely understood even when we're taken to heaven. It'll take eternal ages for us to understand the love, the mercy, and the grace of God. But that's not a bad thing. Your happiness will be constantly increasing. (laughs) You realize that? So I I appeal to you, beloved, you cannot miss this. You cannot miss this opportunity. Don't let it go by. Great Controversy, page 651. The cross of Christ will be the science and the song of the redeemed through all eternity. In Christ glorified, they will behold Christ crucified. Never will it be forgotten that he whose power created and upheld the unnumbered worlds through the vast realms of space. The beloved of God, the majesty of heaven, him, he whom cherub and shining seraph delighted to adore, humbled himself to uplift fallen man. That he bore the guilt and shame of sin, and the hiding of his father's face, till the woes of a lost world broke his heart and crushed out his life on Calvary's cross. That the maker of all worlds the arbiter of all destinies should lay aside his glory and humiliate himself from love to man will ever excite the wonder and adoration of the universe. As the nations of the saved look upon the Redeemer and behold the eternal glory of the Father shining in His countenance, as they behold His throne, which is from everlasting to everlasting, and know that His kingdom is to have no end, they break forth in rapturous song, worthy, worthy is the Lamb that was slain. and has redeemed us to God by His own most precious blood. The Bible asks, What do you imagine against the Lord? He will make an utter end. Affliction shall not rise up the second time. The plan of salvation will work a permanent cure, friends to the rebellion and disobedience of sin. As the nations of the saved looked upon the Redeemer and see the eternal glory of the Father in His countenance, they behold the throne and they sing for joy. Pastor Brooks always said, I don't care where God places me there, I just want to be there. Revelation chapter 5, verse 11. And I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beasts and the elders and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. You see, they can't find the words to describe it. I want to have that experience where I can't find the words to describe it, but yet every fiber of my being sings songs of praise in one accord with all the redeemed. My voice is scratchy here. It'll be perfect there. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever you know the mystery of the cross explains all other mysteries when we look at that light that streams from Calvary then the attributes of God that used to fill us with fear and all begin to appear beautiful and attractive It's a role reversal, friends. Because we see that mercy and tenderness and parental love blend with holiness and justice and power. While we behold the majesty of God upon His throne, high and lifted up, we will see in His character and comprehend, I believe, as never before, the significance of the term our Father. It's going to be seen in the future that God the Father, the one who is infinite in wisdom, could devise no plan for the salvation of fallen man except the sacrifice of his Son. And the compensation for this sacrifice is the joy of filling the earth with ransomed beings that are holy and happy and immortal. Don't ever think that you're not worth anything. You're worth all heaven. Jesus asked of His Father in the Garden of Gethsemane. He said, O oh my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass for me, nevertheless not as I will, but as Thou wilt. And the chief priests, when Jesus was on the cross, spoke the words inspired to them by the devil... He saved others. Himself He cannot save. If He be the King of Israel, let Him now come down from the cross and we will believe Him. Jesus could have come down from the cross. Jesus could have walked away from the Garden of Gethsemane. He could have left this world to perish in its guilt. But because He didn't walk away, because He didn't come down from the cross, because He died on the cross to pay the price of sin. He has the authority and the right to forgive your sins, to cleanse you from all unrighteousness as we read in 1 John 1, 1.9. If you confess them, He has the right to give you the gift of eternal life. He earned it. If we follow Jesus, we must obey His law, friends. We must follow Him in holy living. But our obedience has nothing to do with merit, does it? All merit for eternal life is of grace. We live in the day of grace. Paul said, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. It is a gift. That's the kind of God that created this world. But it's a gift that can only be given to those who are fit to receive it. There are going to be some wonderful consequences of the Savior's conflict with powers of darkness. It's going to be joy to the redeemed through all eternity. The big question is, are you going to participate in this great salvation? Is this the role for you? I don't think we comprehend what it means because we don't live very long compared to eternity. <laughs> How many people do you know who are over 100 years old? See what I'm saying? We don't live very long in this world. Three score and ten maybe another ten Brother friends would tell me but if you're saved if you're redeemed if you're taken to the Father's house you're going to be given a life that measures with the life of God have you ever thought of that in that way you will be alive not just a hundred years from now <laughs> Friend, Not just a thousand years from now. Not ten thousand years from now. You're going to have a life that never ends. And don't measure that by the life you live here. Can you comprehend a gift like that? If you were given life that will last forever... That would have more value than you could write down or compute. It is of infinite value. So don't think that you're not worth anything. You're worth all heaven. That's what's been paid for you. The value of your soul is so great that our Father in heaven saw fit to send His Son to this world to pay a price for your sins that you could be restored and redeemed. The value of the soul is so great that the Father is satisfied with the price that He paid. Have you thought of that? That's an incredible thought. Not only is the Father satisfied with the price that is paid, but Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for your sins, will also be satisfied with the price that He paid. That's what we read in Isaiah 53, isn't it? He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. It says, By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great. Is it because we deserve it, friends? No. But because Jesus does. That's the kind of God is He's a Creator. That's the kind of God that is the true God. That's the God of the Bible. And He shall divide the spoil with the strong because He hath poured out His soul unto death and He was numbered with the transgressors and He bare the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Jesus will be satisfied wants to return for you and give you eternal life the question is will you let him do it? Will you choose to be his disciple to follow him today? Will you be obedient? Will you live a holy life? Roles will be reversed when probation closes beloved. Which role will be yours? I hope and pray that is the role that Jesus has chosen for you. Let's bow our heads. Father in heaven, we thank you so very, very much for Jesus, for your love, for your untiring care for us. Father, we are not, in our own eyes, we're not worth it. May we get a glimpse of what the cross truly means. Father, we pray that you forgive us and accept us receive us change us so that we may be among that redeemed may you fill us with so much love that we are constrained to share the truth of Jesus with all Lord I pray for these dear people and myself that you will have us prepared that we will abhor sin so much so that we would rather die Prepare us for that. May we be found worthy when You return. May that be our role, we humbly ask in Jesus' name. Amen.